3: It's Doug Gottlieb. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, has their fast, free shipping, free roadhouse protection, convenient installation options, and their selection of the best tires, like the highly consumer-rated BF Goodrich All-Terrain TA-KO2. But did you know they sell other automotive products as well? Wheels, brakes, and suspension, just to name a few. Everything you need to elevate your drive, just go to TireRack.com slash sports, TireRack.com. It's the way the tire buying should be. Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb show, Fox Sports Radio, coming to you from the lovely, sunny city of Angels, where the Texans are coming to town this weekend. Take on the Chargers, Rams heading out to Cleveland. Take on the Browns. I got my five for five picks. Uh, we'll also see what Tony Gonzalez, former chief, former Falcon, thinks about the big matchup between the Chiefs and the Ravens. As well as the Falcons coming off their first win of the year, T.G. Hall of Famer joins us upcoming in 15 minutes. Brock Huard's going to join us, uh, college football on Fox analyst, get his thoughts on the Big Ten's big game, which is Michigan traveling on the road after a week off, take on Wisconsin, also who's had a week off. Wisconsin has not a lot of point so far this season, and we'll get his thoughts on Notre Dame and Johnny LoJack taking on. Georgia, the dogs, down in Athens. Sean Spicer is going to be our guest. Why? Why not? Right? Why not? And uh, John Middlecoff is going to join us. Three and out. Uh, three and out. Podcast host and former NFL scout. So we got a lot to get to. Let's start with last night, where the Jacksonville Jaguars whooped up on the Titans. Right? Whooped up on the Titans. A lot of thoughts came to mind. Um, I will tell you, the the first thought, honestly, that came to my mind was that we probably can't take week one to be the end-all, be-all for any team in the National Football League. Case in point, week one, in a close game, Baker Mayfield threw three picks, Marcus Mario looked outstanding, and the Tennessee Titans go into Cleveland and get a big win. Go back and look, not just historically, but last couple of years, with less training camp time, fewer players playing in the preseason, and first game is not indicative of really much of anything. Now, you get two or three games in, you start to figure stuff out and who's what, but the idea that Tennessee can go into Cleveland and whoop them and make Baker Mayfield completely confused and Mariota look like the guy he was supposed to be in coming out of college, let's not take week one to be too serious. Point two. Not really feeling this uh, Michael Irvin statement, they played for Jalen Ramsey. Like, no. The defensive line just got after it and mauled the offensive line of the Titans. Which brings us to point three and the point that everyone's talking about, which is these over-officious jerks. That's an NFL Films line, right? Famous Hank Stram. Do you guys know Hank, Hank Stram? Coach of the Kansas City Chiefs when in in, in the inaugural Super Bowl, right? Really bad toupee, but really interesting funny smart lines he was the one famous for saying we matriculate the ball down the field boys matriculate the ball down the field but one time he called him for an over officious jerk which is essentially what Tom Brady said yesterday on Twitter too many penalties just let us play I'm turning off this game I can't watch these ridiculous penalties anymore hashtag Tennessee versus Jacksonville first well in case you want to Tom Brady was doing up until that moment, apparently watching a football game. Secondly, there were a lot of penalties and they're at an alarming rate, especially in terms of holding. Third, if you watch the second half where there were fewer penalties being called for holding, you would realize that the Tennessee Titans had no hope of blocking the Jacksonville Jaguars unless they grabbed and held. Which brings us to the point that you need to know which is this all happens for a reason. Last year in the preseason and early in the season, officials were being overprotective of quarterbacks because they instilled that new rule where you not only can't hit a quarterback below the knee, above the neck, or even touch him in the head, but now if you do tackle a quarterback, you can't use your weight and fall on him. That's the Aaron Rodgers rule. And if you think protecting a quarterback's not that important, what's the big story so far in the NFL this year, right? I mean, watching last night in Jacksonville and Gardner Minshew was great for Gardner Minshew, but the idea that all of a sudden the Jaguars don't have Nick Foles, who they invested in the offseason, ooh. Hard to see a way in which they become a playoff team or stay stick around until he comes back. I know the NFL could not prevent the Jets from losing Sam Darnold, but the fact is they want to do everything in their power to keep the Ben Roethlisberger deal from happening, the the Drew Brees thing from happening. They need as many of these th- quarterbacks. Not only sell tickets, quarterbacks light up scoreboards, but quarterbacks determine the outcome of games. Jalen Ramsey, I have no idea if he played hard, how engaged he was or whatever. But the Jaguars didn't win or lose that game because of Jalen Ramsey. They won or lost that game because their overall team dominated the line of scrimmage, at least on the defensive side of the ball, against the Tennessee Titans. My point is only, just like many people point to things that happen in life, well, you know, how it all happened for a reason. This is all happening for a reason. My guess is offensive players have started to get away with murder. These these new high, high school and college offenses, which allow, you know, very big leeway. You can only go down. You can go down in the field at a yard, sometimes a yard and a half, two yards. We don't call pick plays anymore, which are blatant and makes it almost impossible unless you switch playing man-to-man defense as a cornerback to cover. Pass interference is all all of a sudden now reviewable. So, oh, you missed it the first time. Let's show you it the second time. I mean, look, there was a big part in that game where the Titans scored their first touchdown. It was on third down. They were about to get a stop. About to get a stop. And a terrible pass interference call was called on the Tennessee Titans. Uncatchable ball, and honestly, it was offensive pass interference. Now, Vrabel should have thrown the red flag and should have challenged that it. it wasn't actually pass interference. But the point is, it's really hard to cover anybody. It's hard to tell run or pass because now all of a sudden, even on pass plays, offensive linemen can go down the field. You can't touch a quarterback essentially anywhere. And once he throws a football, if you... If you break wind on them, you're going to get fined. Hey, how about a little something for the defense? Like maybe they can't just grab and hold us. And if you think this is the way it's going to be officiated the entire year, I give you last season where everybody freaked out over penalties about use of helmet penalties about landing on people. And what happened? Nothing. Once we got to the fourth or fifth week of the season, Take a listen to Mike Vrabel, head coach of the Titans after the game. And we're gonna to have to figure out what they're what they're looking
4: at and what they're calling. And you know, whether we agree with it or not, we have to, you know, to make sure that
3: we're playing fast and aggressive without fouling. And, and tonight we weren't able to do that. Penalties are being called at a ridiculous rate. But the pendulum will swing back. It's a point of emphasis. And we see this every year in baseball with the strike zone. In basketball with, I don't know if you know, they just they just passed new legislation today so that they can define what a travel actually is, right? So what they'll do this year in the NBA is they'll call it tight as far as travels the first quarter of the season. Once they get to the playoffs, dudes can run without dribbling like like they've been doing. And the same is true in the National Football League. It'll be called holding. They'll clean it up. They're a little bit too they're swing swinging too much on the side of helping the defense out and not allowing any hands to be grabbing jerseys, but this is just a pendulum swinging, and offense can only get so many of the calls so much of the time and and, and it's it's not because Al Riveron is suddenly gone rogue and decided to tell his officials to call massive amounts of holding. We know it's not because roger Goodell wants defensive ends to go and crush a quarterback. It's because enough of these same coaches have complained, hey, this is getting ridiculous with the holding. You got to call something. And now they are. And of course, the offensive players are going to complain. I'd love to sit here and freak out, but I just can't. I've seen this in every sport. I've seen it nearly every year. And there's a point of emphasis and it it gets... It gets put into to officiating the first month of the season, and then guys take a breath, relax, rethink things. And maybe it happens earlier this year because Tom Brady, Jesus himself in cleats, said, hey, fellas, come on. I can't even watch this thing.
1: Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast
3: Have you guys ever heard of a Ling Chi? You guys ever heard of Ling Chi? It's a a form of torture and execution that comes from China. And uh, it translates roughly. Ling Chi was reserved for crimes viewed as especially severe, such as treason. Westerners, some Westerners in China, were executed in this manner even after the practice was outlawed. Um, the process involved tying the condemned prisoner to a wooded frame, usually in a public place. And the flesh was cut from the body in multiple slices in a process that was not specified in detail by Chinese law. Therefore, therefore, and this is a, from a description page, most likely varied. The punishment worked on three levels: a form of public community humiliation, slow and lingering death, as well as punishment after death. It's known in American terms as "death by a thousand cuts." Antonio Brown was cut today. Sling chi, sling chi. Slow public process. Which, frankly, he was guilty of treason in both Pittsburgh and in Oakland. Um, Potentially guilty of far worse crimes against his now multiple accusers. Maybe not. But I don't think that Antonio Brown will play in the NFL again. And I also don't think there's one incident which is going to cause him to not play in the NFL again. I think it's death by a thousand cuts. Now, could it be that the Patriots found out that there's some, that there's potentially criminal activity? It could be. I think it's much more likely that Bill Belichick, walking out of that press conference, combined with the fact that they told him, hey, enough is enough and he's sending text messages to people trying to defend himself while selling the name of people who are his accusers. Keep in mind when they began their relationship just 11 days ago. He's only been a patriot for 11 days. New league record. I feel like this is like, remember when Nuke Lelouch had his first pitching outing for the Durham Bulls and he walked 19 and he struck out 19 both New league records. I Antonio Brown has been with the Raiders and lost money. Have you ever heard of a guy losing 200 grand to not play for a team, but be part of a team for training camp? I haven't. New league record. Then part of the New England Patriots caught three passes on their opening drive and a touchdown and got cut in 11 days while being in the news, all negatively, for all 11 days. Another new league record. I feel like this is new caloosh all over again. But when the relationship began, I told you, I told you the story of when I started my relationship with CBS and before the press conference went out, I said, Hey guys, just, you know, we aware, like how are we going to handle if there's some bizarre, like Notre Dame question. And my boss at the time, like what Notre Dame question I was like, well, you know, like, it's like 20 years ago and they're like, Oh, we'll get back to you. And then they researched it. They figured it out. What you know, we talked about it a little bit and it was, we were fine. Cause there's always going to be some jerk who goes like, well, what about like, dude, it was 1996, you know, it was a misdemeanor and it's been expunged. It's over, but you have to at least have full disclosure with your boss. They don't want to walk in and be blindsided by it. Just like the opposite is when Antonio Brown signed with the Patriots. That process was exceptionally fast. Hey, let's get that ink dry. Let's get it done. That 9 million fine sold done. We had multiple bidders. Twenty million next year if you want to keep him. Um. But they didn't tell him they didn't tell the Patriots about these civil lawsuits, which were going to become very, very public. That makes people mad. Hey, look, I can defend you. You know, the Patriots can not answer questions that they're blue in the face. But if they don't know it's coming, nobody wants to deal with that. They don't. Then there was another accuser in the Clemco article and every pregame press conference becomes about Antonio Brown. He's a hell of a talent. But it's really interesting. He grew up in a part of Florida, same part of Florida, that Um, produced Chad Johnson, Chad Ochocinco. I remember what happened to Chad. He went to the Patriots, couldn't show up on time, couldn't remember the plays, got himself cut, went to Miami, went back home, had a domestic violence charged against him, never played another down in the National Football League. And that is Antonio Brown's idol. That's who he grew up emulating. And that, I believe is the path that his career has, has now gone down. I don't think he got cut today because of the, the the pending civil lawsuits. i have no idea their level of validity. I don't think it's any of that. I think it's, you got all this other nonsense. You got a negative reputation on quitting with the Steelers on the use of social media. You have the foot thing with the cryo chamber. You got the helmet thing. Now you got multiple women saying that you violated them. You got people saying you didn't pay them. And every day is a new story. You didn't tell us about this stuff. And then when we, I'm guessing the Patriots said, shut it all down, turn off your phone, just be a football player. And he said, I got you. Then you send out text messages to people in the media trying to defend yourself. And they're like, look, doesn't mean what you're saying is is wrong or lying, but we specifically ask you not to say anything anymore. Ling Chi. Death by a thousand cuts.
1: Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific.
3: Brock Hewards, a college football analyst. You can check him out tonight on Fox Sports 1. The Utah, all of the Utes, not just two of them. It's a Bo Garrett production. Uh, he'll be on the call at the Coliseum, where USC, Keaton Slovis, coming off their first loss of the year at BYU, the men of Troy will be defending their home field, 9 o'clock Eastern Time, 6 o'clock Pacific. Brock, let me first, you're a former NFL player, you've covered the league, you've had your own radio show, I know now it's moved to the, the, the podcast. Um, what's your reaction to the Antonio Brown news?
7: yeah about time and and hopefully nobody else picks them up, Doug. like I'm sitting here at l a live and, and looking out at the beautiful arena and all the superstars and the statues and the greats and everybody that has played in, in that you know arena and the forum and everything else, and they' you know they're just a star power, and you just so appreciate their talent and their work ethic and everything else and you know Antonio Brown's a gifted player, but like enough, like enough, and, and I really hope that thirty other teams don't look at this and go, "Ooh." Now we can take our shot at this, and oh, I'm going to resurrect this guy. And I, I hope he just kind of has to sit and, um, and we'll see, you know, through the process as all this gets adjudicated by the league, and then the, and then the court system and everything else. But I, I my hope is that hopefully he can, uh, can learn from this and sit on the sidelines and watch and listen, and that nobody in this league would be tantalized by the talent.
3: Uh, let's get to let's let's get to college football. Uh, actually, you know what? I want to stick with the NFL for a second. You know both. Um, how much of last night was Mariota? How much of it was his offensive line's inability to block?
7: Both. Yeah, both. And uh, I will probably say this tonight on the broadcast with, with USC and Utah and the young freshman Slovis, who's just a, just a great kid and getting a chance to be around him a bit over the last couple of days. And, and you've got to protect yourself. I got, that, that's one of the most important things you can do. You can remember Gruden and all those QB camps that he sits down with all these guys. And he shows him Brady and Manning, and and Brady runs a five four, 40 maybe, probably five six right now. And, and Peyton in his end days is about the same. But those guys protected themselves with, with protection, with getting the ball out, with understanding scheme, understanding your opponents, and you just can't take that kind of beating. There are limitations up front, but man alive. Marcus, if he's going to survive in this league and play, there's got to be a whole lot more protecting himself.
3: Yeah, but there's a lot of people criticizing Marcus and – uh, I get it. They're like, why don't they throw down a field? Like, he doesn't have any time at all. <laughs> right? Yep. I mean, and they, they were holding for a reason early in the game because they, they couldn't block Jacksonville. Correct.
7: Correct. Yeah, that was Jacksonville just a couple of years ago, and those guys can't crank it up. And when desperate, and, 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 you know, backs against the wall, they've got some proud dudes that just could feel the blood in the water and just knew that they were going to maximize that opportunity. And yeah, that's messy all the way around. I would have bet on Marcus Mariota. I don't know where you were coming out of college. He was the guy that I would have bet on that. I would have drafted that, uh, that I would have put stock into. And unfortunately for him, and he's been really beaten up in his career, kind of like the previous guy, uh, Jake Locker, that went to Tennessee, and equally for three or four years got so beat up, he just finally said, no Moss man, I'm I'm done with this. And yeah, they've uh, put some, some QBs through the grinder there in Asheville.
3: Brock, you are joining us. You can check him out tonight. Utah, uh, undefeated, taking on USC. Let's start with SC. There's a sense in L.A. of inevitability, right? Lynn Swann's out, um and USC could have made a change last year, but his contract and some other issues in the university kept them from doing so. The, the sense is that, that, that Clay Helton's done. I, I guess my question is, you watch a ton of tape, you cover college and pro, you know football as well as anybody on the, in the broadcast medium. Are they well coached?
7: Oh, that's a good, fair question, Doug. Uh, two years ago, no. When I called that cotton bowl, uh, if you remember, and I was so excited to call that game, man. So was our crew. It was Ohio State. It was USC. It was, wow, two of the blue bloods that I grew up watching on a January 1st bowl game. And that was not a well coached team. That was embarrassing. I was sitting down the night before and I remember talking to the staff saying, geesh, how are you going to block these guys and how many screen passes? And, and basically it was, what are you talking about? You know, we're, we're USC, man. We're going to run right at these guys. And, and Sam, just got buried in that game. I think it was nine sacks. It could have been 29 sacks. That was not well coached. What they're doing now, and this is probably the most pleasant surprise for USC, when I put the tape on this week and started to study them, they actually have some people at the line of scrimmage, not near enough depth, but they got people at the line of scrimmage that are setting this young freshman up that are allowing him and his receivers to, to have some fun and to play the game and to light that stadium up. And I know he threw a few picks a week ago, but that, Doug, is the biggest step they have taken. They're all redshirt sophomores and juniors on this offensive line, and they're going to give them a chance tonight. I, I think this is. there's a reason this is a three-and-a-half-point game. Utah has never won in the Coliseum. They are built to win this year. They are all seniors and a bunch of big, bad, physical dudes that have been through it enough, uh, and I know they feel like they're poised to win it. But I think the biggest step, and to answer your question, are they well coached? a much better coach than they were two years ago. And uh, with that, they've got no margin, none. Like they've got to, you know, if Clay and this crew are going to be around next year, they all know it. He knows it. You're going to have to win double digit games like he's done twice before.
3: Utah's got their all-time lean rusher and Zach Moss. They got Tyler Huntley, who's a tremendous athlete. But can he throw it well enough to win big?
7: They're doing a good job. I'll answer your question if you were to throw it that way and say, are they well-coached? And that's a definitive yes. Yeah, no, Kyle Yeah, I mean, uh, he's, I mean, he's
3: amazing. Oh, he's yes. out there. Great but they're, staff. But they're,
7: sim- but they're simple, too, Doug. Like, yeah. they don't try to do a million things. They know what they are. They know who they are. He's the longest-tenured guy in the Pac-12, second in all of college football. And you watch him and you're like, gosh, yeah, I mean, I, that's man to man. That's cover three. Like, you know, you know what you're getting. You just can't really block them. And then on the offensive side, you know, the one criticism I've had of Kyle through the years is he's a tough program, he's a defensive program, and he's ran just about every offensive coordinator out. Yeah. I think there was a stretch there where he had like 10 coordinators in 12 years. So he's very difficult on his coordinators. And in steps Andy Ludwig who he was with when they had a ton of success a decade ago that went elsewhere to San Diego State and Vanderbilt, and I think comes full circle for a reason, because he's at the stage where, you know what, let's do this one last time. Kyle's at a stage where, you know what, if we win this conference and we play in a Rose Bowl, I don't know how much more that he's got to do is a grandpa that loves his grandkids. So uh, I think they've got the right fit on that side. Tyler's thrown like one drop back pass. In three games, everything is on the move. Yep. Everything is play-action. Everything's playing off of their run game. They're playing to his strengths, and you will see that again tonight. So can he throw it well enough? Within their scheme, definitively, yes. And uh, watch that that scheme be a run-play-action scheme tonight.
3: Um, okay, big game tomorrow is Michigan traveling to take on Wisconsin. Wisconsin hasn't lot of point, but they've only, they played kind of two rummies to start the year. I mean, I guess South Florida you would think would be better, but they're, they're not. Um I guess the question for them for the last couple of years has been quarterback. Jack Cohn, the numbers are outstanding. Are they good enough at the quarterback position to beat Michigan?
7: Is Michigan good enough at the quarterback position to go to Wisconsin and win? I think that is a wash I really like Sha like
3: Shay Patterson? I I I thought it was more the offensive line than Shay Patterson.
7: Well, I think Shay's a little bit beat up, Doug. Okay. I think Shay's beat up physically. I think he's a bit beat up emotionally. I think he's a bit beat up mentally. You've got a a new coordinator that's never called plays before. I think he feels the weight of all of this expectation and is already a little bit beaten down. So uh, and by the way, you're playing a scheme on the other side that's the opposite of Utah, that you line up and you're like, dang, where is this coming from? And if we get to third down and this game is on me on third down, and I've got to handle all of this on the road, uh, that is going to be a stiff, stiff challenge. So to me, this comes, and I know it's simple, and I hate to do this analysis and say, oh, it just comes down to the quarterback. Oh, and it's such a quarterback's world, blah, 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 blah. But you know what, Jim? Uh, Harbaugh there in Michigan, you made this move according so a lot of coaches that have come and gone out of Ann Arbor really good coaches and now you've settled on a guy that's never called plays and he better call the right one Saturday if they've got a chance to win
3: hmm. uh byu we saw BYU beat uh uh beat UCLA of course you know one of the things that happens when you're on the west coast uh, on the east coast is you don't realize that Utah's I mean BYU excuse me uh Washington's only loss was that that rain delay game against Cal. Mm -hmm. And look, Cal's really well coached and a fun program. They got their own road test upcoming. Um, Why hasn't, I guess it was only one game. Is is Washington what people thought they were going to be and that was just one bad game? Or is there something missing there with the Huskies?
7: You know, Doug, there's about, uh, from about six to 25 in college football. (laughs) Maybe seven, maybe seven to 25, and maybe it extends to 30. There really is almost no difference. You know, there's the elite teams at the very, very top. I think there's a few that, you know, by the end of the year may be great if there's some more pleasant surprise and they just grow into developing roles and a player here pops or a quarterback there pops. And then there's like this huge blanket you could throw on a, you know, seriously, like 7 through 25. And Cal's there and Washington's there. I think BYU is there if their young quarterback is, is healthy enough. And, and Zach Wilson's in there. he got tons of charisma and playmaking ability. So it's just almost on that given Saturday, there is so little that separates them. It's like the Big Ten basketball that I'll watch you cover at times, and it's Wisconsin, Iowa, and it's Michigan, Michigan State. And it's, you know, any of those teams that you go into their building, it's like, man, there, there really is so little margin that separates them. And other than just the superpowers of college football, that's what makes these weekends great is anything can happen with a huge chunk of these games.
3: All right, so you got a game Saturday or you're just off because you got the Friday game?
7: Yeah, just the Friday game, get to fly home and, and watch Georgia, I think, run rampant on Notre Dame. We'll get to see Washington BYU and yeah, get all sorts of fun football to sit on my couch and watch.
3: All right, listen, if you want to hang around, uh, the Newport Beach Seahawks have a game at 1230 tomorrow. They got a little lefty, play some quarterbacks, <laughs> wide receivers, some running back. I'm just, I'm just saying you might want to scout him for the future. I know you love your left-handed quarterbacks. You got that six pack still that I saw a couple he years. Does. Ago? He 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 does. He's a beast. He's 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 a beast. Don't let it let, let it go to his, go, go to his head. Brock, uh, have a, have a great call tonight. Uh, it's an SC game, which means literally every person at Fox Sports will be watching, yes. as well all, all, all my neighbors. And then safe travels uh, back Good. to the Emerald City. Thanks for joining us. All right. Thanks, Doug. You bet. Brock Hewart, unbelievable addition to our Fox Sports uh, family. Just amazing addition.
1: Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific.
3: It's a news dump. It's a dump. Antonio Brown has been dumped by the New England Patriots. Dumped. Doug Gottlieb Show is brought to you by Farmers. At Farmers, we've seen almost everything, so we're going to cover almost anything. When it's game time, have an experienced player help you stay out of the game. Put their experience into play at Farmers.com. We are Farmers. Antonio Brown is out. The world reacts. And I think most of this was preventable, but this is death by cell phone. Really is. Death by cell phone. I mean, initially when he got into hot water with the Pittsburgh Steelers, what was it? Use of the cell phone with Facebook Live, remember that? What ultimately brought him down here, or even the idea when he was released—just the idea when you're released by the um, by the Raiders, like you're 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 following it on Twitter, and then you go and celebrate and jump into a pool. There's been so many things that he's done. Releasing a video with John Gruden's voice on it. Talking about does he want to be a Raider and do they actually want him as a Raider? Like recording somebody else having a, uh, an intense conversation and putting it out on social media. I mean, honestly, Antonio Brown is out of work today because he keeps trying to defend himself. Right? You ever seen these guys who do it in a courtroom? They try and defend themselves because you have the right to defend yourself. You don't have to have a defense attorney. You can defend yourself. But much like you should have an agent when you enter into negotiations, you should have a lawyer, a courtroom lawyer, handle all of the cross-examinations and your courtroom case. Even a public defender is more educated on the law and how to approach it than you are by yourself. I mean, if you, you think about this for, for just think about it, take a deep breath and realize why Antonio Brown got cut. It's Ling Chi. It's death by a thousand cuts. It's not just the text message he sent out defending himself um, against this second accuser and putting the, the pictures of her kids out there and trying to portray her as somebody who needs money. It's not a good look, but it's that is the culmination of all of these other little issues. But what are you doing defending yourself? Doing it from your cell phone. You have an agent. Your agent is a lawyer. He has other lawyers. Let them defend you. Let your team handle the PR. You just play football. And had he done that, he'd still be employed. But he's not. And it'd be hard to find a way in which he'll be employed this year or maybe in the future, in the NFL. And for my money, he might just be the best uh, wide receiver in the National Football League, or the best talent as a wide receiver who's now not in the National Football League.
1: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. From BBC Radio 4.
3: John Middlecoff hosts three and outs great podcast part of the herd podcast network by the way my all ball podcast guest this week is the one and only Dan Patrick we only talk basketball on the all ball podcast he only talks football let me get you as a former scout a guy who covers knows this league um, do you think that somebody knows something that we're about to find out about Antonio Brown or is this as I has deemed it Ling Chi death by a thousand cuts.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a combination of both, and on the money, they owed him a signing bonus. The $9 million was going to be paid in two installments, $4.5 million due Monday, as in this upcoming Monday, and then another one at the end of the season, so he has zero of that $9 million. Now, obviously, he's going to fight for it, but depending on how this all shakes out, the Patriots haven't paid him anything, like, as Dan said, beside the game check, which he probably just had a base salary of whatever his veteran minimum is on top of the bonuses. So the Patriots haven't paid him any money yet.
3: My, I, would guess,
4: I, I would venture to guess, if you just look at Antonio's history, that he missed a practice or something. Now, the curveball in this is that all the stories coming out. Uh, and Then last night, the text messages, may, maybe Belichick had just had enough about answering the questions. But would it shock you if – to get cut from the Patriots, you could be a minute late to a meeting – Uh, It could be pulling your phone out in a meeting. It it doesn't take much. He he was on. What I don't think people understood is, unlike the Raiders, they tried to give him a million chances. Belichick was going to give him. He screwed up. He was gone. Now, it might have changed a little bit had they had paid him, but you have to imagine that the way they set up this deal, Belichick got like a two-week feel for what it was going to be like to have him on the team, technically 10 days, and he was out. And, you know, I would imagine some of these extra stories. Belichick's not into answering questions about things non-game related, and for the most part, the Patriots avoid that unless they have some big scandal going on. Right. And unlike Spygate or DeflateGate, the they could control this scandal because they could just cut the guy. And that's—I'd be shocked though if something doesn't come out. He was late to a meeting or missed a meeting or something like that. I,
3: I think it's—I think it's the text messages. I think they—they they said no more. Like we—we, we, you have an agent, you have our PR team, let them handle it. And him trying to handle his own PR about a story that was just. Enough is enough.
4: It's not how they do business, for sure.
3: No, no. Do you think he plays in the NFL this year?
4: You know, I think people are pretty quick to say he's done. I mean, we've we've seen the NFL over and over, and I just think pro sports in general, this guy is an elite player. So I, I would say this year, you never know, depending on how this these allegations, which you know, I always feel it's a little unfair on Twitter. We assume the guy's guilty. No doubt. I don't know. No one knows. Right. You know. So you know situations like that with Reuben Foster and Luke Walton you know that these allegations turn out to be false that you go well and i, I hate even trying to get i'm not defending this guy cuz he's clearly a clown but he is a very talented clown and you know you the, C, the Seahawks the Redskins are crazy i mean i
3: Dolphins he's from Miami I, I, the Dolphins
4: Yeah but they're tanking that would be my only thing. Like, literally, I, they are. I so. understand,
3: but if we get some some reason to go to the stadium and watch a game, I don't know.
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I, Bruce Arians, kind of crazy. You know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, sure. now that they're kind of alive with some of the injuries in their division, they're actually kind of a sleeper playoff team now. That, yeah, I just – I would not be – I don't expect it, at least for a couple weeks, but I, I think we've had way too many examples, especially in the NFL. Of get these guys that are as good as him don't go away for long.
3: Let me play you something. This is Wink Martindale. Wink Martindale is the defensive coordinator of the Baltimore Ravens. They're getting ready to take on the Kansas City Chiefs. This is Wink Martindale. Very understated statement about this weekend's quarterback matchup. I think, you know,
6: just as an NFL fan, as a fantasy owner, if you will, the NFL is in good hands with these young quarterbacks. And I think you're going to see two great quarterbacks in this game. You know, we we might be seeing the next Brady Manning matchup. Ali Frazier. Magic bird. I don't, you know, you don't know, but the excitement of it.
3: Ali Frazier, Magic Bird, Brady Manning. Look, Lamar's been amazing the first two weeks, and I think all of us are all in on Mahomes and his future. But, you know, we need to, don't we need to breathe a little bit? Just inhale, exhale, and let it play out a little bit.
4: Right now, there's only one guy that you feel confident about comparing to a Magic or a Larry. Have the upside. Mahomes hasn't done anything yet. And I think him and Andy would tell you that. Now, he's won an MVP in his first year starting, but he still has a long ways to go. But at least we've seen him in big games do big things. Let's just just—I—I tip my hat to Lamar. He has looked fantastic. He clearly has gotten better. Uh, as Coward was talking about yesterday, well, some guys are doing commercials, he clearly was in the lab working, high-character guy, has improved. But let's see him win some big games first. And if he does, then maybe Wink's on to something. But, you know, let's just – got to see him. He Let's look at the two teams he's played. Yep. You know, Vance Joseph is terrible as a defensive coordinator. And the Miami Dolphins are have a chance to be the worst team in the history of the league. So, if he goes in there and throws three or four touchdowns, even if they lose, I'll be impressed. Because this is the thing that's unique about this game is these fans have been waited nine months. This is their home opener. That place is gonna be berserk. It's their home opener, and now it's pretty clear they might have the best player in the league for the next like fifteen years. So I and that place is already nuts just to begin with. So this is gonna be this is a big time test for for Lamar Jackson just from a noise standpoint. If he can operate, I get the Chiefs aren't exactly the eighty five Bears. But if you go in there and you look like you have looked against that crowd, that crowd's probably more intimidating than their actual players. Uh, I'll be really impressed.
3: What should the Jaguars do with Jalen Ramsey?
4: Keep him? I don't even think it's a question, unless you absolutely internally hate him. And I was texting with a couple of people that are around that team. It's like, you know, I, I think sometimes this stuff gets a little overblown. You know, in pro sports, people yell, emotions are high. If, if he gets paid, he's on a really talented team, you know. And at the end of the day, for them, they drafted this guy f- fifth overall. And he then has become an elite player. You know, he's basically the equivalent of what Khalil was as a corner. Now, he's different because he is kind of a pain. He's very – Khalil has no issues. This guy can be a pain. Not in the sense you, – you can be a character guy, and I think people struggle with this. You don't have to, like, commit domestic violence or have a DUI. Like, you can just be – Tough to deal with on an everyday basis. I can drive people nuts. That's in the NFL. That makes people not like you. And I think he's hard to deal with. But he's so damn good. And you look look at the the way the AFC South has kind of played out now. Yeah. Mariota's a disaster. You have uh, Houston, who I think most of us probably like coming into the season, but I'm not as confident anymore. And the Colts. They're probably the most consistent team, but they're probably the least talented team. But they just have a lot of solid NFL guys and a good infrastructure and coach. Look at the look at the Jack schedule. I googled it last night. Like once it was clear they were going to win, they got Camless the the Panthers, the Breezeless Saints. They have Denver, who's not very good. They have the Jets. Like they have a schedule that all of a sudden you could look up and be like, damn, Minshew and that defense are five and three, and they'd be right in the mix. Uh-huh. I, I would. Because if you are trading them right, even if you got two ones, that's not helping you right now.
3: How, so, much, how much of last night was Mariota? How much of it was their scheme and offensive line?
4: I mean, Calais Campbell was the best player on the field by a mile. Uh, well, I mean, I, I, you could just say there's a lot of good defensive linemen just in that division, and especially on that team. So the, the Jags, their defensive line is really good. You've got to be able to block them. Now, like Taylor Lewan's out, so you kind of have to shuffle some things. Some, I just look at Mariota, and I get that you know he's not playing with Jerry Rice and John Taylor, but he does like and holds that onto that ball like an extra second. Like you even watch Minchu, he he's pretty quick to get rid of it because you, you this is the NFL. You can't you know three seconds is a long time. You got to get rid of that bad boy fast, and it just. You can make excuses for Mariota pretty easily, right? Like he's never had an elite wide receiver, he's never had some dynamic offensive coordinator. But he was the second overall pick in the draft. And this is his fifth year. Like really good players kinda of overcome some stuff and it just kinda of looks like he's stuck in neutral. Not that and here's the thing, it's not like he's a he's just some scrub, right? He's not gonna be out of the league. He's just not a he's not a twenty five million dollar player. He could start still on probably ten teams in the NFL and he'll be in the league for a long time. He just, it turns out he wasn't, he's not worth a lot of money. And luckily the Titans didn't pay him that much money.
3: Great stuff. John Middlecoff three and out is the podcast and you heard podcast network. Enjoy the football. I love your commentary. Thanks so much for joining us.
1: See you, Doug from BBC radio Four, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast
2: is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is,